Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is one of the nation's favourite podcasters, presenters and best-selling authors many times over, with her most recent novel, Walking on Sunshine, being the latest to hit the Sunday Times bestsellers list. Born and raised in Essex to an Italian father and Argentine mother, she joined the prestigious Sylvia Young Theatre School as a teenager. And it was there, age 13, she met her future husband and co-author Tom Fletcher. The pair wouldn't make things official, though, until they turned 18, and he serenaded her with a little song he'd written just for her called All About You. You might have heard it. It went straight to number one in the UK just a few years later when Tom released it with his band McFly for comic relief. Whilst all this craziness was happening, our guest started very slowly to dip her toes into the world of writing, picking up experience wherever she could, with assignments and columns for Heat magazine and Hello, as well as writing a proudly unpublished manuscript for a book she called Dating McFly is for Dummies. Hmm. Everything changed in 2013, however, with the arrival of her first novel, the beautifully readable romance Billy and Me, which immediately introduced her as an author to watch. And the years that follow, well, she became one of the most prolific writers in the country, averaging a book a year, sometimes two, including her autobiographic Happy Mum, Happy Baby, My Adventures in Motherhood, and the Eve of Man series, which she co-writes with her husband, Tom. But that, of course, is only half the picture, because also in 2013, her world changed in a 
completely different way with the arrival of her son Buzz, later welcoming second son Buddy in 2016 and third Max in 2018. Motherhood well and truly took over and she was soon presenting her very own podcast, Happy Mum, Happy Baby, a show that's become a global mega hit with downloads in the millions and guests, including everyone from Jennifer Garner, to Her Royal Highness, the Princess of Wales. I'm so excited to be joined by her live on stage at Carfest South this year with the rarity of having a lovely live audience along too to watch. So let's dive in as we cross now to the author's stage and welcome the brilliant Giovanna Fletcher. Afternoon. Hi, it's Giovanna. <laughs> You go on the psychiatrist's this couch. This is my second chaise long today, and I'm not very graceful on them. And it's a leather one. Nice. That's nice. In this heat, you'll squeak, G. I know. But how, does anyone know how to sit on a chaise long? Because this just feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think you're just doing this, it just, just about this. right. Okay, yeah. thanks. Um, G, thank you so much for doing this today. Um, this marks the year in which you've published your 12th book. I know. How bonkers is that? The Dirty Dozen. Ah, <laughs> oh, I, should, I should have thought about that and called it The Dirty Dozen. Yeah, you should. It's crazy, isn't it? I can remember having my first book out and kind of going, oh, I, you know, only when I get to three will I call myself a proper author, will it be official? And that just feels like yesterday. So to, to now have 12 just feels completely bizarre. I mean, it, that is a back catalogue that qualifies you as a very established author with lots and lots of number ones in front of your name every time people write about uh, your work as an author. Yeah. Um, but actually, the first book you ever wrote remains unpublished. And I thought yes. it, for a bookworm <laughs> or any aspiring authors, that's, that's really worth knowing, actually. Yeah, so it was called Data McFly is for Dummies. Says the woman that married the singer. Because, so basically, it, it kind of, I'm creative, so it was always just, you know, where my mind sort of went. And I can remember us talking about funny stories that happen with girlfriends and of people that are in bands. And I was talking to the McFly manager at the time about something, and he was like, gosh, you should write this down, you should write a book. And, uh, you know, it wasn't even the fact, I think it was just the writing that was important. I don't think the ma subject matter actually, actually mattered that much. And for me, it was all about um, not looking outside to what's going on with other people and shaming. It was about kind of going, so what have I done wrong, actually, in this situation? What can I learn from? So it was a really silly step-by-step -step guide on how to date a guy in a band. Like, not on how to get one, but what are the, what's the etiquette when you get on a tour bus and there's loads of sandwiches? Oh, so right, okay, Silly so it's not, about, it's not about landing a rock star. No. It's keeping one... Well, just not getting kicked off the tour bus because you've nicked someone's favourite sandwich after they've just played Wembley. You know, silly <laughs> things like that. Uh, but I was just writing, I think, for me. So I was acting at the time, wasn't working. It was just something to get my creative juices flowing. Um, but at, at that point, I spoke to someone at Heat magazine who knew I was writing but didn't know what. And, uh, and they just asked if I wanted to go in and do a little bit of work experience there. I started doing their book reviews, their music reviews, um, and just ended up loving it a little bit more and found myself meeting a book agent, literary agent, who, um, who'd who read my blog and was like, have you ever thought about writing yourself? And I was like, well, I have, but that's something 
the people who go to Oxford do. It's not someone who went to drama school and uh, pretended to be a penguin goes on to do, you know. <laughs> um, but I kind of got out of my head eventually and just started to apply myself and just fell in love with it. And also I met, basically I went out and had lunch with an author friend of mine, Dorothy Coombson. And she just said that whenever, and she, we were just randomly talking about what gets you start, like what makes you start writing, what is the point where you talk about writing, what, where's the line where between you talking about it and you're actually doing it. Uh, and we were just, uh, she was saying how when it comes to writing, you've just got to get on with it because otherwise you can think that you might love to write a book, that it's, you know, that's your dream to write a book one day. You might sit down and within the first day absolutely hate it and realise that it's not for mm. you. So the best thing you can do if you ever think about writing a book is to sit down and actually start and the process. Do it, yeah. yeah. And we'll get into the processes of how you create um, your work because there's lots of different ways in, in which you work. But I think a really important thing is that, you know, straight off the bat, we've established that you did this for nothing because you were determined to learn. You didn't get paid by Heat Magazine in the first instance. You did work experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of aspiring authors should take on board because, yeah. you, like you said, you've got to kind of not try before you buy because it's not quite that. But you've got to you've got to get you've got to get your hands dirty. Absolutely. And then even when you have got something that can be sent out, the amount of no's that you get, yeah. you know, are unbelievable. How many no's did you get? Uh, I think we sent out to 12, so I got 11 no's and one, and then Penguin uh, gave me, literally had a little gamble, and we're like, yeah, okay, we'll give you a two-book deal. But I mean, you know, it just takes one person to see something, to enjoy it, and because also it is subjective, you know, yeah, it's it is. kind of, you're going to end up writing something that connects with that one person on that day that she, you know, picks it up. Absolutely, and it's, it is about turning one head yeah. in that first instance. And, and I think it's a whole J.K. Rowling thing as well. I think she was turned down about 60 times. Yeah. And like, that's Harry Potter. Exactly. Mic drop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You only got 11. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to sound I better, don't know that you've struggled <laughs> enough, frankly. <laughs> no, but there is a whole lot of work that goes into becoming that, that, that you do have to not be getting paid for it. You do have to, mm. you know, I know so many authors who started off writing on their commute. Yes. You know, that's how they spend the whole time. So they'd get 500 words a day, which isn't a lot when you're writing a 90,000, 100,000 yeah. word book. But, you know, it's just little and often just keep keep going, keep chipping. Yeah. Now, when G agreed to come and do this chat today, she's already been twice on a podcast that I do called white wine question time and I thought it'd be fun to make it a hat trick today now normally on white wine question time we ask three questions but the third question I'm leaving to you guys and I want lots of questions <laughs> and we would normally punctuate each question with a glass of wine if only I'd had enough booze to bring for you all <laughs> so um, if you are drinking I salute you and if you're not I'm sorry but are we ready to dive in and pop our cork on the first question <laughs> yes good So we're at Carfest, this is the author's stage, and an author works in chapters. And I wanted to know what have been the most significant chapters in your own life that have brought you to where you are today, an author, 12 books in your back catalogue, yeah. and what you'd call those chapters, what their headings oh, would be. Gosh. Um, I think even my childhood would be a whole load of different chapters. So up until the age of nine, um, I was bullied. So not a very happy child kind of school life-wise, but 
I loved my brother and my sister. Like, everything was just us outside playing. And I loved that. And I do think, although the bullying was awful and we did move as, as a result of it, I would not it be the person. It was that bad, G, that you had to move yeah, house. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. You're being, you're being quite kind of OK about this, and that's huge. So what was happening? Um, lots of name-calling, um, pushing, being, like, pushed into, like, rose bushes and stuff. I think a low point for me was um, having to go to the school nurse that she could pick rose thorns out my butt. Um, that was pretty bad. Oh. Um, but just just not very nice behaviour, which, as a nine-year-old, all I wanted was for people to like me. And I, th I think, as an adult, actually, um, which is a great thing about books, you know, you see something and it kind of layers what comes after. Uh, I think for a long time I had a huge desire and need um, for people to like me and to approve of, of what I, what, who I am, I guess. Um, and I think part of growing up and part of having kids, certainly, is realising that you're never going to please everyone. everyone. Uh, and that's fine. It's okay if people don't like you. But yeah, but that's definitely massively So this, this was me. when you were nine, so you weren't even at secondary school? No, so we moved and then I went to a normal secondary school where we lived and that, that was all lovely. And then at 13, um, I moved school. I saw Sylvia Young on uh, Live and Kicking one day and um, I had no idea that there were real life drama schools, like real life theatre schools that you could go to that were a bit like, there was a TV show at the time called The Biz. And I thought, wow, you can go to school every day and it'd be like The Biz. I want to go there. So I, without my parents knowing, I phoned up the school, ordered a prospect, uh, prospectus, um, applied for the scholarship, and then the letter came through to say, uh, this is your audition date. So I was like, Mum, Dad, um, <laughs> we're going to London. And I'd never, I'd been part of like the local amateur dramatics group, but part of m the result of me being bullied is that I spent a lot of time on my own walking around the school field acting out like little stories singing little songs so when I did go to another school where I could actually let those things out yeah. it was a whole whole other world it's a whole other side to me and that led me to apply to Sylvia's but I'd never gone for like proper auditions or anything like that and just so you know Sylvia Young Stage School is um, probably the most prolific in the country there are only a handful of places and only the very best make it through. And Sylvia's, I mean, one, one class, I'll give you an example, one class had in uh, Emma Bunton, three members of All Saints, Keely Hawes and Danny Bear and Denise Van Outen. That was one year. And G, who's never done a professional audition, bags herself a slot at Sylvia's. I mean, th well, what, this, yeah. is, this is a huge achievement. When I went, there were 140 children in the whole school, yeah. and that ranged from years... Well, they had a couple of the juniors there, so that would be year three and four up to year 11. So our class was, like, less than 20 people. Did you find, when you got there, that you... Did you feel like you'd found your people in this, and, and that your days of wandering around a field being kind of <laughs> lonely and misunderstood were done? Absolutely. Good. Because you had so many people who were focused on a joint love. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, yeah, it was just wonderful in that way. And I think it's very easy to think, like, stage school kids, stage school brats. Sylvia grounded us. Like, she would properly 
keep us in our places. You know, you'd, there'd be a little sign outside the agency because there was a, a, like an acting agency attached to the school, and you'd be highlighted if you needed to go in and speak to them, which either meant that you got an audition or you had bagged yourself a job. And Sylvia was so strict about how people reacted even to that sign, because if you went above your station, if you showed off, if you flaunted it, she would really be quite annoyed you know e even the air kisses around you know oh darling darling none of that none we of weren't it. allowed to wear makeup we had to be kids um and i think whether people went to sylvia's and came out and went into acting or not i think it it gave people a clear idea of what it is to be a professional human. Um, not we were kids as well, because we were kept innocent in many ways, but it gave us another layer to our, to our being, I think, um, and a perspective that is maybe different to, to other kids. But I think as well, what you are is a bunch of kids who will probably, in any other school environment, stand out and be picked on, yeah. as you've discovered, and yet, you were amongst your own when you all came together. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've, I've been to Sylvia's a few times to watch some of the shows. I get drunk on the atmosphere in there. It's so exciting because it feels like it's, the halls are filled with possibilities and so many great talents have come out of there and gone on to really flourish. Well, and Amy Winehouse, so, you know, the, one of my highlights during my year nine, so she was in year 11, she would, on Thursdays, she would not do tap lessons. So she'd just, I don't think Sylvia knew about this, but she would just skip tap and just permanently be in with Peter Roberts singing. Wow. And uh, during every class, it'd be like, so Amy, do you want to take this one? And even, even then, she didn't have the voice that she was known for, but she had a voice that you just wanted to listen mm. to. Uh, and I think that was a great thing about the school is that you just feel proud of everyone. You want to see everyone shine. Mm. You don't have anyone trying to diminish that or to, to belittle it. You, you, just, you just are amazed at what people can do. And that it's celebrated and mm. that, that people know what to do with it, right? Because I think in, in a normal school situation, how do you propel an Amy Winehouse to Amy Winehouse-ness? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that, you know, you, you almost need to be in a specialist environment. Um, what did you take from your time at Sylvia's? How did it help you to grow and build and flourish? I took a husband. You did. <laughs> the, ro the rock star that she didn't get kicked off the tour bus for. <laughs> Tom was there. So uh, Tom, me and Tom met on my first day at Sylvia's. So I was 13 and uh, we were sat next to each other in assembly and he turned around to me and said, what's your name? I said, Giovanna, but you can call me G. And he said, my name's Tom, but you can call me T. Fast forward almost 20 years and here we are. G&T. Uh, 20 years. <laughs> we met in 98. We met in 98, so 24 years ago. Oh, um, G, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But I think it taught me so much. It, I don't know who I would be if I hadn't have had that three years at Sylvia's. I Is think that all it was, three years? Three years, but I promised my previous head teacher that I would go back and do my A-levels there. So that's exactly what I did. You did? What was it like going back to a regular school after, you know, <laughs> listening to Amy Winehouse sing every Thursday and <laughs> gazing at your future husband? <laughs> well, thankfully, though, I was going into sixth form, which is there's another level of independence. So I was used to getting on a train from 13 into London on my own, mm -hmm. doing that whole thing, just feeling like an adult. So I think going back into a sixth form, there is a different level of adulthood. Yeah. Um, so that is quite nice. You know, you, you can just leave school if you want to. You can just walk out the doors. Um, but certainly very different. And also, I discovered a social 
life, far too young at 16, but there was this suddenly this other world that was opened up to me that we didn't have at Sylvia's, right. um, which was, uh, you know, pretty fascinating. Can I ask, the people that pushed you in the rose bushes, were they still there when you went back for, for sixth different school? Different school, different school, different okay. school by that oh, yeah. point, yeah. Secondary school. Um, yeah, but weirdly, I had, I went to see a show, uh, I went to see Les Mis because a friend's sister was in it, but it must have been about five years after I'd left thinking I, that was completely behind me. And uh, one of my bullies, her little sister, was in the show and looked exactly like her sister did. And I sat in that audience and just, yeah, I could just f feel the, f the, the yeah. anxiety. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, I, I, I find that fascinating how things happen to us in life and we, feel, and we move past it and we feel like we're over it. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're back there. Yeah, and you're reduced to feeling in exactly how you did as a nine-year-old yeah. again. Yeah. But those lessons in life, they have value. They're difficult, they're horrible, but without them, would you be you? Exactly, and that's, that's everything, isn't it? It's the, all these little things that we collect along the way, all these different tools, yeah. all these different learnings, you know, whether they're mistakes that you have to learn from or whether they're successes that you still have to learn from because it doesn't mean that they're going to happen again. All these different connections that you make. I think we live in an industry where you make fiercely strong connections with people fiercely yeah. while you're working together intense, you're yeah. so intense and you absolutely adore each other and that never never goes mm. but you do then just go on your separate ways mm. and you get a new job and another fierce connection but then when you see each other you're like oh yeah. we shared a really special time and that's okay and that's okay and I think that's what life yeah. should be in many yeah. ways we should be making strong connections all the time and not feel like we constantly have to choose one over on the other yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You did go back to Sylvia's one more time, though. Well, it wasn't quite <laughs> Sylvia's then. I love this story. So Tom took you back to what was the old site yes. of Sylvia's school as you had when you'd attended there. It's it's somewhere else now. But what was the occasion? Well, I was told, so at the time I knew the boys were making a McFly documentary, like a McFly on the wall, and I was told each band member was going back to their old school to film like a little bit about their time there. And seeing as me and Tom had gone to school together, could I go with Tom um, to, uh, to re record and reminisce together? Like, great, amazing. I turned up. So I opened this door and I just saw flowers and candles and I just literally shut the door so quickly. <laughs> I was like, no, no. And I text Tom and I was like, um, am I meant to just walk in? Because <laughs> I thought, oh my God, what is, but I, you just know, you know, when you know what's coming, like we've been together nine years by this point. But also this building was disused at this point, right? Yes, it so, was like So this is a, an empty old school with Which used staircase. to be a church. Yes. So proper atmospheric, like proper dusty, like certain walls were knocked down, but you could still see the imprint of where Sylvia's was. Um, so I went in um, uh, and I could literally hear like one of our, our songs playing. Um, and I walked in, the first thing Tom, was, Tom said was, there are no cameras. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and it, literally, oh. so I went into this, this spot, candles everywhere, roses everywhere, petals everywhere, and just this one polished spot on this really dusty floor, um, which is where me and Tom first met. Um, and he got down on one knee and proposed. <laughs> I love this story. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> but the weird thing that night, so you know when you're just like, especially that. nowadays, 
enjoy the moment, be in the moment. Don't, you know, get your phone out straight away and start telling people, just be in the moment. So he loved that. It was an amazing night, amazing moment. And Aww. then he booked to go to the Ivy, which is where we go every year for our anniversary. We just get, we're, we're people that like what we like and we're like, that's where we go. We know what we like and we like what we do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. that. Um, so we were in the taxi, kind of went to the Ivy and we got there. And usually, like, Papa out there, they don't care about us. We're people that can just walk in. Um, but this lady came out of the restaurant and she was super drunk. And I've never had someone even do this to me before, but she literally run her she was like talking to Tom talking to me ran her arm and ran her hand down my shoulder and held onto my hand and was like oh, is that new and the pap was like excuse me so we spent the first like 15 minutes in the ivy frantically te texting our friends and our parents and everything just going and going so this happened before <laughs> everyone else found out oh. because of some drunken yeah wow yeah. but so magical and I literally I can't you know, we just, I can remember that night not being able to sleep, like Googling different things, honeymoon destinations. <laughs> like just Skip things. the wedding straight to the holiday, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we get married at this time of year, then it's really hot there. <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, what a, what a beautiful full stop on your amazing time in that building as well. Yeah, I love exactly, that. exactly. So that's two chapters of your life. So what would you call the first one? The nine-year-old you that was having a hard time. Mm. What, what would you call that chapter? Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because overall, it's quite a sad time. But really, it's also really positive because... It's what kill, doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Yeah, and also, if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't have had that time off in my imagination, you know. Mm. Maybe I'd call it imaginary friends. And the Sylvia years. Aww. What would they fall under? Um, uh, probably finding my happy place. Yeah. I'd go with that. It is, yeah. It, it became the roof under which everything amazing happened. Well, literally, like, my life would not be my life had I not gone to Sylvia's. You yeah. know, whether that's th those three years and how they really impacted me, whether that's my relationship with Tom and my other friends that, you know, mm. I made during that time. Um, you know, I've got an amazing friend, Lauren, who, um, before we st at the end of year 10, she, she wasn't going to be able to come anymore because financially she came from Wales. You know, it was a lot to come up and board every every. Um, every week so my family just said well she can come and stay with us for a year so oh. having my best friend in my room for a year was was incredible you know yeah. and, I, and I think you know talk about fi finding your people she was very much found and in, in my home and I think Sylvia's impacted me in many many ways I, I'll never know who I would have been had I not had I not gone that's there that's brilliant G that's brilliant. Shows goes to show as well, doesn't it? The power of getting the right education for you as yeah. a as a child might not be right for everyone else, but that's remarkable. Which which has taken us to where you are now, and which takes me very nicely to my next question. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I wanted to talk about the brass tacks of how you write, because not only have you written your own number one bestsellers, but you've also written a trilogy with your husband in a house with three small children. (laughs) And A, how do you carve up those two very different ways of working? And I'm sure that anybody here that loves books and reads books, but also aspires to write them, love to know how you start a book and and what that process is well we still got to write the third of the of the trilogy and and fans of the trilogy will be glaring at me right now um but it is so when you're writing as a as a pair what the trickiest bit is scheduling because we might i might go so in july i was like great i am ready i'm going to go back and read the other two we can get on this and then two other writing projects are coming for tom so we just have to wait a little bit for that um but i mean it's a conversation guys that we keep having don't worry um because the thing is you you write so the way the 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 books are written is you take a chunk each right you take a different narrative each so you take he you you explain this yeah so um eve of eve of man is it follows eve and bram um uh, and michael in in the second book uh and so we we use we use our voices, I guess. We use uh, so, so basically, he's I write your Eve. He, yes, yeah. um, rather than us both trying to work out who are these characters that we can both write collectively mm. as one. Why don't we make mo- make the most of us having two separate voices? Me find Eve, you find Bram, and see how that works. And it and it does work really, really well. So, but we need basically when you start writing a book for us, right? Because I write very differently when it's both of us and when I write on my own but together we spend about a month planning and literally firing what's going on we'll have a really nice long document that's even got like dialogue in it because we'll try and pack it out as much as we can with info so that we both know exactly do you put a story arc in do you understand where it's going to end or Yes, yeah, you do. Yeah. I really want to be one of those authors that have, has the post-it notes, and each time I get the big board and I get the post-it notes, and then I, d- I don't do anything with them. Um, but I really would like to be that person. Um, but yeah, so with Tom, though, we do plan a lot more. Um, the reason I didn't used to do that, so the way I used to write with my solo work is that I would know what my concept is, I'd know who my main character is, and I'd know roughly the first third and then where I wanted it to end. So I'd get to the end of the first third and just let the characters fly in a really great way. I used to absolutely love it. And the reason I did that is because growing up, I used to play with my Barbies and my dolls 
And I used to plan everything while I was setting up. Like I'd act out scenes in my head while I was putting the Barbies things out <laughs> and all of this. And then when it was all set up, I'd be like, well, I've done it now. Like, where's the joy in doing it? Because you, you like all the prep and the planning, yeah. Well, yeah, I've ruined it. You. So, but so my problem with planning, I thought, was that I would have the same experience that I'd plan, I'd do all this planning, and then I'd get to write it, and I'd be like, oh, well, I'm bored of myself now. But whereas actually, what I have discovered that with planning, all like writing's layers still. So you're still forever finding stuff. Mm. You're still, you know, something you wrote a couple of months ago might make you springboard into something else now. Um, and that's really exciting. So yeah, the planning I is the spine uh, from which everything else hangs. I suppose it's, you know, that's the bones of the piece. And then you write the meat on the bones. Is yeah, that, is that exactly. Like so now I don't do the whole third thing. Now I, I, I realize that it is my job and I should be an adult and should actually plan stuff. Uh, <laughs> and that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, dull my imagination by doing so. I think I was just scared to plan. It was never that I was lazy about it. It was just that I, I really relish and enjoy discovering it as it goes, especially because a lot of my work is first person. Yeah. So I wonder actually if I wasn't writing in that way, if I had a bit more of an outside look on it as I was creating, whether I would have let myself off on that a little bit more. But yeah. because of being in it, you almost don't want to experience it too much in the planning because otherwise you might lose bits. But now I realize if I feel like I'm experiencing it, write that down because that is key info that I can then write when I am putting meat on the bones. When you've got all these narratives and characters working around in your head, does it feel sometimes like you're walking around with sort of multiple personality disorder? <laughs> because you're, you're living and breathing these characters. You take them to bed with you. They wake you up in, in the night. You know, you, you yeah. have to live it to a degree, don't you? It's when they are in a position of having to figure things out, the difficult part of life that I really, it really sits on me. And I, I used to go to Tom and try and, you know, work through things with him, but he's forever trying to kill my characters off. Really? Yeah, he's like, just kill her off, and then the other <laughs> two guys can go off and then they can send postcards back to her unborn child. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is silly. Um, so I've learned not to go to him for, for any kind of book chat. Um, but I, also what I find really useful for me when I do get stuck in that way is to, to just get writing. Just just write. Even if you end up deleting it, write, because it will all make sense. It will all come together. Well, sometimes it, it clears the blockage, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just to yeah. write your way through it. And, and for me, the characters that are, they become my mates. Like writing um, Dream a Little Dream, every week uh, the main character used to go um, uh, and do pub quizzes on a Wednesday with her best mates. And I had just had buzz by that point and I was missing my friends I was missing my friends I'd had this baby um, and then I was away from the baby because I was having to go back to the day job so always being pulled I felt like I was like missing I, oh, I can remember one day my dad and my brother had um, buzz and they'd taken him to the park I hadn't put Buzz in the swings by this point. They put him in the swings. Um, I can remember another picture popping through of Buzz in, um, in a supermarket trolley. I'd never done that. 
just tiny little things. I'm like, I really wish it was oh, me you were doing that. Yeah, so I found myself writing these friends, writing these characters that I needed. And I feel like that's what I do every single book, whether it's a lesson that I need to learn, a discovery. I, I write the things that actually I need at that time. And sometimes I don't realize that until I've finished it. And I just feel healed in some way or, you know, moved. Um, yeah, it's a very, it's an amazing experience. Frustrating. I bet. So frustrating. And I do feel like I lose, I lose myself a little bit and I don't realise that I've lose, lost myself until I press send on that final manuscript. Oh, that must feel good. I feel like I'm, a, I'm so light. I'm like six stone, I'm light. I barely weigh anything and I can dance and I, I feel so free. Giddy. In, yes. And I don't realise how heavy it's weighed on me and what my how it's impacted the family because of my mood swings because of me trying to get this work in until it's off and i'm just like oh mummy's home guys i'm back <laughs> look at me <laughs> um before we we move on to um the q a with the audience um i did have somebody write into me on instagram um a man called pete who wanted to ask you how do you concentrate on writing when you have say a noisy neighbor or a neighbor who constantly rings your doorbell asking for things like apple pie <laughs> recipes. This is my old neighbour. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> this is your neighbour of 12 years, yes. Pete Ratcliffe. Oh, I love Pete. I love this. Um, yeah, he would. Uh, so, just don't ask the door to Pete. Is my is my main <laughs> bit of advice. We basically. So, our old house was built. This is a, such a tangent, but our old house was built on the house in front's garden, and so we got the French lady, the French lady who lived there, we got her apple tree. So she'd forever be asking me what, what I was making with the apples. And Pete one day told her that I made an amazing apple soup, uh, which I then had to start making. It's basically potato with a bit of apple in it. Um, but then, yeah, my famous apple soup came because he put me in it. Yeah. But um, I do think that when it comes to work like that, so many of us have got so much better at working from home, which is hard because, you know, there's always someone going to mm. knock on the doorbell whether it's pete or the postman or whatever and um <laughs> you know i think it's it, we're better now at pushing ourselves back into the zone um or blocking out sometimes when tom comes in and offers me a cup of coffee i'm just like this is lovely but i'm mid-sentence i've lost i've lost it i've it's gone exactly i mean well intended but annoying yeah just make the cup of coffee and leave it there the answer will always be yes <laughs> we've been doing this since we were 13 come on keep up <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for my third and final question for you. In case any of you are feeling a little bit nervous about putting your hand up to ask questions, I want to uh, ask G to talk us through a moment in her career. This is non writing related uh, to show you how vulnerable she can be at times and yet still dig deep. And this is something that came to me via Sir Kenneth Branner, okay? And this features not Giovanna Fletcher, but Giovanna 
Falcone, as he calls you, who he describes as having a night on stage with him and Tom Hiddleston, where you were called on as an understudy. You weren't even given enough notice to get dressed properly. And I'm going to let you pick the story up from here. But frankly, my friend, you had a moment to shine and everything was stacked against you. <laughs> um, so I was in a show called Ivanov um, at the Wyndham. So it was a Don Mar season, like a huge West End season. I wasn't long out of drama school. Um, Kenneth Branagh was the lead. Tom Hiddleston was in it. Andrea Riseborough. Uh, so I was understudying. But, like, she's Andrea. really casual about that. Did you just hear those names? Yeah. <laughs> she's just out of drama school. <laughs> I've got to say, I love it at the moment because my kids are really into Marvel. So when they see Loki, I'm like, look at this picture of me and Loki right here. Be good, or he's coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we were doing this, and I was understudying the female lead. And um, we were a long way into the run, actually. I'd had my understudy run, thankfully, a few weeks before. I'd been on stage that night. I'd done my the first chunk of my of my part, um, and I was back in my dressing room. So just in case people don't know, an understudy will probably have a smaller role within the play, but also be prepped to go at any given time to yeah. step in to to those major lead leading ladies shoes and yep. this is what happened so i was in my dressing room doing my sudoku and um there was a knock at the door and it was howard the company manager and he's like um Giovanna, where's your satchel costume and i was like it's right there it's like great all of a sudden the door completely opens the whole of the wardrobe department file in um they're like we're getting you ready because andrea doesn't feel very well so we're just she'll she probably be fine but we're just going to get you ready three minutes until she's due to go back on stage um then they get a little announcement over there they get you know someone contacts them on the walkie-talkie says don't worry she's fine she's going to go on but still keep getting g ready great and um literally 10 to 15 seconds before andrea is due to hit the stage there's an announcement over the tannoy could miss falcone please come to the stage immediately miss falcone to the stage immediately literally i ran down to the ran down to the stage Every, all the doors were open where everyone in the theater was just like oh come on <laughs> got to the side of stage as the queue light was going green for me to walk on on stage you have kenneth branner and Tom Hiddleston. Um, I'll reenact it. So, Tom's over here, Ken's here. Very heated exchange. Tom Hiddleston has tears in his eyes. Right, <laughs> I walk in over here. Tom says that the first thing he sees is just Andrea, because he's got tears in his eyes, he can't see. And he was like, as the tears started lowering, he sees Andriana, then Giovanna. He's like, what on earth is going on? Ken says that all he saw is his eyes. He just saw Tom's eyes getting wider and wider and wider. <laughs> so he had to turn around to see what was going on. And his first line was, Sasha, what are you doing here? <laughs> but we literally had 10 seconds where we just looked at each other and went, oh, what are we doing? And, but thankfully, because of that first line, the audience all went, Okay, she's Sasha. we get it. But it's so funny because Tom was on um, Tom uh, Ken was on uh, Rob Brydon's podcast, podcast, which is where I heard this story. Talking about it because I just won um, uh, the castle and um, and his version of events though. Bear in mind, I literally I had messaged everyone that night like my version of it, and his version was that my clothes didn't fit. That someone that I just literally stayed over there because someone was still holding my skirt up. <laughs> I'm like that didn't happen at all. He was very lovely about it. He said it. that you came on and you hadn't had time to dress properly so the stage manager was holding <laughs> pinning with their, with their bare hands your, your clothes together whilst you stood there quite stiffly because your clothes could have fallen off 
but that you didn't drop a beat in terms of dialogue and that you were quite remarkable. Do you know what? The, the adrenaline, though, just took me through that night. The <laughs> next night, next day, I found out at midday that I was going on again. Um, but then the whole week that I was finding out at 25 past seven that I was going to be going on that night because Andrea was poorly but still wanting to push through and get on but um, she was being told that she just wasn't very well yeah and thankfully the last Saturday so our final two shows um, Ken just kind of took a stand and was like we all need to know we need to know and G needs to know because she's either going to go on and do her part or she's going on as Sasha and we all know where we stand um, and I went on for the final two shows which was amazing but can I just point out that to this day so Kenneth Branagh has made I mean you can uh, there's not enough fingers on my hands to count the, the amazing films that he's yeah. he's made all the productions that he's been in and he still remembers that moment with you because you make such a phenomenal impression wherever you go Jay so Aww. congratulations thank you very much <laughs> very sweet it's very true okay your turn audience at Carfest gentleman with his hand up there thank you very much hello um <clears throat> the English language in my mind is fantastic it's also rather complex in terms of grammar and punctuation, etc. Yeah. Um, being an author, you will know, obviously, about the, uh, the usefulness of proofreaders, etc. One of the phrases that really irritates me is revert back. What grinds your gears? <laughs> Great so question. I only, I only found out that you can't say equally as when I was in the in the vote in the sound booth in the recording studio doing the audio of my book, and the producer was like, "You don't need both. It's equally or as you don't." It's one or the other. It's right. one you don't need. And I was like, "Okay," um, but <laughs> I, I I could not. My books would be rubbish if it wasn't for the proofreader, if it wasn't for the copy editor. And I can remember the first time um, I had a book come back to me um, from the copy editor and being so embarrassed and she was like why it's my job it's my job to to correct those things if you were perfect i wouldn't have a job um and um and i think that can stop a lot of people from trying to write because they think they have to be there are all these rules set out there are these things you have to follow mm. no you don't you have to tell a story tell the story and someone else can put it right gr like grammatically and Cressida Cow the children's uh, Cowell, the children's laureate is amazing because she's really campaigned for 15 minutes a week for children to just sit down and be creative just to free flow when it yeah. comes to writing don't get don't let you know the that sentence of a structure stop you from getting those things out. Um, so when like my kids come back now and they tell me all about these different types of words they're meant to be using, I'm like, uh huh, let's Google that. <laughs> Because <laughs> I have got no idea. I write, I write from the heart. I want that character to be able to put her, her words down. I also speaking, uh, speak in a write in a first-person narrative, which also helps. Uh, but I don't want the English language to be a barricade to stop me getting those words down. Um, but yeah, those no one's books would exist if it wasn't for those people. What about the stuff though that grinds your gears? Do you find that th uh, there's one author that I love, and she uses the word skullduggery, which I just I think nobody uses that in conversation. Yeah, but she's probably got this thing. And it grinds so my gears. <laughs> I have this thing where I love the word lugubrious, Ooh. which means sorrow. Or like so like lugubriously means sorrowfully. Or you know, sadly, like lugubriously, but it's nice, a great nice word. word. I try and get it in every book. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just love it. And I know gonna, that I'm, it doesn't I'm going to play bingo it. on that and have a read. <laughs> but I know that it probably doesn't need it. I could put in a different word. But sometimes it's just nice to little put in a little... I like I it. don't like books. I've got to say, actually, I don't like books where I'm a sentence in it and I already need a dictionary. I feel like they are so... Um, they're, they're throwing shade at you. They are. They're, shade, they're airing you, as my son would say. You are not intelligent enough to yeah. read this book. You don't belong here. Yes, yeah. yes. Go to, go to a book with smaller words. And that, that, that is my happy place. <laughs> That's my happy place. Um, do I have any more questions? Yes, lady at the front here. Hello. Um, I love your books. They're absolutely amazing. Oh. Um, and this one is starting to read them. Ah. Um, but we actually have a different question. Oh. Do you want to ask the question? Um, Amelia fell in love with you during the castle and the jungle um can you tell us a little bit about the time yeah um what i mean what would you like to know first of all it was really really cold um and <laughs> i well, they gave us so we had our kits and we also had thermals and i was keeping my thermals as pajamas because i thought i was really clever to have something fresh fresh to put on every such night. a mum <laughs> I mean, it, I, was every, I just stank all the time. But something fresh to put on before going to bed every night. I was still cold, although I was doing the cooking. Ten days in, I realised that everyone else wore their thermals the whole time because it was so cold. Wow. I, cha I cha changed, changed my time there. What about the food there? Because obviously you didn't have to do quite the severity of some of the eating trials that Australia throws up, but you still do have you some... Do you know what I ate? Yeah, I know. I was going to say, tell us what you <laughs> ate. Oh, no. I, I mean, let me point out, you won't find it at a food fan at Carvest. <laughs> I hope. I hope not. Um, no, so normal food, um, we had the rice and the beans, which the first night, because obviously you're meant to soak them overnight or as long as possible, and the first night you have half an hour in which to cook your food if you because you're that hungry. Uh, so we had it, and they were literally like bullets, and we just didn't know how we were going to cope at all. Until and let me just point out, by the way, you then have to pass that, and that's also <laughs> not pleasant. <laughs> And there is, a lot a of, there is a lot of discomfort within camp. Yes, yes. Um, but thankfully, someone in the Telegraph did say, you're meant to soak them. Like, thank you. Um, it was not nice, the food, is what I could say. So the rice and beans actually were my comfort place. Anything that came in was vile. The first night, actually, so, the sat so we went in on a Friday. Uh, Saturday was kind of our off day, but not off, but just... We knew that in terms of like the business, wise, business world, we knew that Friday was going to be edited for Sunday night show. So we knew that nothing really on the Saturday was going to be made, like put on TV. Very smart. You'd worked out that that's when you could... The only reason we really knew this is because they gave us sausages that night. <gasps> but for the first night, sausages. we were like, sausages, this is going to be OK. <laughs> no, we basically ate an entire park. It was awful. You were fed false hope with the sausage. Yes, I think the next night probably squirrel came in. Um, yeah, so, but what I found really difficult was anything that we won on the trials, all those nice stars that we got, it was just vile, the food when you actually, like the meat stuff was fine, like, because I was cooking it. <laughs> the meat stuff was okay, but the veg just tasted of the horrible water. And so <laughs> many meals, I literally, I could feel myself gagging and having to kind of say to myself, don't do that. Don't do that, because if one of these cameras see you, you're going to be doing all the eating trials, so do not do that. <laughs> and then yeah. I did have an eating trial, and I just, I just remember going down to it going, I don't know. 
what uh, what is going to happen in this next like i was it took me 17 minutes to eat a lamb's testicle um because oh i worked my out God, because I think you're that's not quick i mean i well, could be there not, for weeks but you're not allowed water so the thing that people do wrong <gasps> is they just try and eat everything really 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 quickly so therefore you gag thankfully vernon had said to me before going down just remember if it's anything like you know um they have to wash it they have to boil it, health and safety, that has to go through a process before it ends up in your mouth. Still tasted of wee, but <laughs> it's more a mind over matter thing. So it's grisly, it's horrible, it's how it sits in your mouth. So it's kind of like a take oh. your time and chew it. I think I gagged once, I only gagged once, I know I only gagged once, and that was on the fish eye because of the pop and the oh. saltiness. And I'd not had salt for like three weeks by that point, so it was really quite overwhelmingly salty. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, the only thing I can think to ask is, what the hell did you say yes to doing that show? <laughs> <laughs> it was the best experience ever. And even then, like, I was sat down for a very weird meal with Anton Deck. You know, so they were it, they were making me laugh the whole way through. Yeah. So it was really entertaining. The worst thing that I did was mean massage where. Four of us sat Me in a row. massage. Honestly, it was a challenge. Think about the evil people that think this stuff up. <laughs> yes. So it was a challenge. It wasn't a trial. So the difference between challenge and a trial really is that Anna Deck aren't there. So we went into this room, mean massage. Basically, you lie, so you're strapped down on a, on a masseuse table with your face out. And some, you'd see the ranger's feet coming next to your bed and they'd just chuck things over you. That was the most difficult thing ever. I had Beverly Callard going, Naughty! Oh, Naughty! <laughs> Ruthie was just singing the whole time and then stopped. Jessica was just being like, cheating. Like, so I just felt like I knew, I knew from day one, if I fell apart, so many other people were coming with me. So I just, I think I had my head somewhere else. Like, even in those situations. And I, and I do think that, you know, I went in there to get away from my motherly responsibility, I guess, in a but way. But you did become the mum of the camp. But that is what pulls you through. That's what pushes you through because you're you're worried about other people. So therefore, sometimes not putting yourself first is the best thing because it takes you out of the out of where you actually yeah. are. Like I was so freaked out about my ears. One thing I because I had really bad uh, hearing as a child, really bad. Like I used to be. I, I used that. to hit people awful like i'd be i was a really difficult child to the point where i was taken to like a board of governors with my mum, and it was really really bad because you couldn't hear because i couldn't hear i was so frustrated and um and so my ears are something i get really panicky about and i could feel these little worms Ooh. near my ears and I, and I get recurring ear infections and i was that's the only thing so looking after the others kind of took me away from the maggots that might be in my ears but the first thing that i did when i got off that table was get to the medic and go check it check it get him out get him out yeah. i mean other people are off getting naked so they could get the maggots out <laughs> yeah. of i was like i don't care if there are maggots in my pants are the maggots in my ears you might want to rethink that <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, on that note, we are oh, going to have to wrap things up. <laughs> and I know there are so many more questions for you, but you know what? The reason you went on to win the jungle is for those moments, isn't it? It's, and it is ultimately Britain's most, well, it's Britain's biggest popularity contest, and you won because <laughs> we love you. Aww. And thank you so much for your time today, G. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.
A huge thanks to Carfest for hosting us and to Giovanna, whose latest book, Walking on Sunshine, is available wherever you get your books. And don't forget, if you want to come down next year to Carfest and see brilliant chats like this, as well as amazing acts live on the music stage and so much more, tickets are available now. Can't recommend it enough. You can find them at carfest.org. That's carfest.org. And if you've loved listening to this episode, then we have plenty more great chat with other great leading ladies. Our back catalogue features episodes with the likes of Ruth Langsford, Lorraine Kelly, Andrea McLean, Orika Johnson, Arlene Phillips, Charlene White, Gabby Roslin, Anita Rani and Emma Willis, to name but a few. My thanks to you, as always, for your company and to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Editing is by Eleanor Humphrey and our music is courtesy of Andy Bell, a star of the 90s, noughties and then some. You can check out his solo material as well as his work with Ride and Oasis wherever you get your music. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.